Chapel. How's everybody doing? Let's stand up and worship together. Come on. Are we alive because he's alive? And that's why I'm alive. author of all eternity giver of every perfect thing to you be the glory maker of heaven and of earth no one can comprehend your worth king over all the universe to you be the glory and i'm alive because i'm alive in you
Good morning, Westgate Chapel. How are you today? It's good to be here with you and worshiping again. Uh, I want to welcome you, especially this morning, if you're a guest with us. Thank you so much for uh, coming and worshiping with us today. We have had a fantastic week of our Missions Emphasis Week, uh, getting the opportunity to talk about what it is to go to the hard places and how we can be a part of spreading the gospel throughout the world. And we've been uh, just ecstatic uh, to have Stephen Christie with us. And so thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, I especially want to welcome you this morning, if you're a guest, uh, we would love for you to take just a moment and fill out a connection card that you'll find in the pew in front of you. It's a great first step to getting connected here at Westgate. And what I would love you to do is at the close of the service, you can actually take it out to our guest center in the main entrance. And uh, there they have just a bag of goodies. They would love to give you some uh, small gifts, but also uh, a lot of information about how you can get connected here at Westgate. So please be sure to stop by at the close of the service uh, as well. Hopefully when you walked in the 
this morning, you were able to grab your sermon notes on the way in and also communion elements as we'll be doing that later on in the service today. And if you didn't, uh, some of our ushers will come around later and uh, be able to hand those out as well. Uh, there are a lot of things that are going on still around the church uh, in this season. And so as always, I'm gonna encourage you to stay connected uh, to our Westgate Chapel app on your smartphones. It is the quickest and easiest way to get all of the information about what is going on. A couple of things that I wanna highlight for you this morning though are this, is that we're gonna be having a baptism service that is coming up the first Sunday in November. And if you have never been baptized and it's been something that you have just known, it's a step that you would like to take, we would love for you uh, to come and be a part of a class that we're going to have for adults beginning next Sunday. Uh, Pastor Randy Fall is gonna be leading that class for three weeks to just talk about what baptism is and its importance in our lives. And so we would love for you to come and join us on the app. You can actually register for the class and all the information is there. As well, this morning, our Kid Faith class uh, began and is actually going on right now. And so if you would have a young person that you would like to have baptized, uh, talk to our kids ministry team and they would love to uh, connect you with that also. Um, there are other things that are going on as we close our service today. As you go outside, you'll recognize that over in the cafe, there's a bunch of candy and our tastes from around the world. So be sure to sugar up on your way out the door to lunch today. And then also, uh, please be sure to stop by to see our international workers who are going to be out at their table in the atrium as we close our service. So lots of great things going on. We're excited to continue worshiping together. And so if you would, before we continue in musical worship, would you stand and take just a moment to find someone around you that you haven't said hello to yet this morning and welcome them to our service. I love seeing our church family gathering together, talking to each other, shaking a hand, giving a hug. We're going to continue in our musical worship, but I would ask that uh, you guys would pray with me real quick before we continue. Father God, we thank you that we can joyfully be in this place. I know not across the world this is possible to congregate together in this way and worship together in this way, God. But in your word, it says that if we don't do it, even the rocks will cry out to you. So, Father God, I pray that we come in here wholehearted. That whatever you've filled us with this week, that whatever way that you've been there for us, that you've, if you've been our strength when we are weak, if you've been the peace that we so desperately needed, in whatever way, that you have been our God. Because you are our Jehovah Jireh. You are a provider for every single piece of it. May we pour that out to you right now. And wholeheartedly, with everything that we are, worship you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.
into our Missions Emphasis Week a couple weeks ago, uh, we shared about different ways that we ourselves can be invested in the worldwide spread of the gospel. We talked about how many people groups still yet are to receive the gospel and the need that there is for the church to band together with one heart around the mission that God has given us to reach the unreached. And we talked about how we can be involved as a church by praying, by mobilizing, 
by going ourselves in various different forms, short-term, long-term, is what we talked about, the opportunity that we have to utilize our resources and to give towards the work of spreading the gospel around the world. And this morning, before we move into our time of offering, I want to just give you a quick picture and explanation of how it is that we can partner with our resources with the Christian Missionary Alliance in the spread of the gospel. Uh, you'll see inside of your sermon notes this morning, this commitment card, and we put it in a couple weeks ago. And I want to give you just a picture of how it is that we support the global work uh, spread of the gospel. Uh, the Christian Missionary Alliance, our denomination, has always had what we call the Great Commission Fund, where we give to the Great Commission Fund, which is used and has been used to go out and to send our international workers throughout the rest of the world to spread the gospel. And uh, traditionally, there have been four arms of Alliance missions, marketplace ministries, CAMA ministries, uh, which is relief and development, uh, Envision, which is short-term, and also Access, which is our kind of long-term lifetime missionaries who go out into the field. And uh, what you may not know is that of those four arms for a number of years, only one of them, our Access workers, would receive full support, and most of the other arms were raising their own support. In the last few years, the Alliance has kind of changed that model in the hopes of being able to generate more resources to send more people and to support more people in the spread of the gospel. And so today, you'll see this on the Faith Promise card that is here, is that there are two different ways that an individual can give of their resources if the Lord lays it on your heart to partner in the spread of the gospel through the Christian Missionary Alliance. One is to still give to the Great Commission Fund, which is absolutely needed to not only support our national office and its, its sending arm, uh, but also to be used to give some of the support that our international workers all around the world need. But also our international workers are also now raising anywhere from 40 to 60% of their own support that is helping them to be out on the field. And you have the opportunity also to designate gifts directly to them uh, through the Christian Missionary Alliance. And so you'll see that here. I don't know if you know this, but when you give, even to our one fund here at Westgate, when you give your offerings, there is a portion of that every single year that goes to the support of our international workers. When they began raising support, we believe that God was calling us to also help in that endeavor. Uh, so when you give to Westgate, there are resources that are going out for that purpose. As a whole, this church already gives about over $300,000 a year to the purpose of spreading the worldwide uh, message of Jesus' Son. And one of the things I want to share with you this morning is just simply this. The impact that can be made when just the church decides we will help in whatever way we possibly can. I did some math this past week and figured out that even if half of the adults at Westgate Chapel said, I'm going to give $25 a month just to go towards the spread of the gospel throughout the world through the Christian Missionary Alliance, we would raise an additional $100,000 a year in order to help support that task. When we as a church with one heart come around the mission of God, we can do so much, even with just a little. And so what I want to ask you to do this morning as we come to our time of offering is to consider, as we've been talking about the entire time through Missions Emphasis Week, is how would God have you to utilize your resources? Would you go to him and ask him, Lord, how would you have me participate in what you are doing around the world? Would you pray with me? Hi, good morning, friends. Uh, I'm Steve, and you may remember my wife and I, Crick, and I served here at Westgate, uh, came here 25 years ago. And so it's always a joy for us when we're back in the States on home assignment to come back here. It's a highlight of our year, and we're here all week. So uh, some of you that are watching this morning we know from our times here in the past, and we're sorry to have missed you, but thankful for the opportunity to be able to share with you this morning, we pray for the Lord's blessing upon you. When my grandparents first went to the jungles of Peru as missionaries with the Alliance in 1928, evangelical Christians were considered a sect, and as a result, they were poorly treated. About six months after arriving in the country while at a Bible study in the home of another missionary, 500 Indians riled up by the local bishop surrounded the house with the intent of harming them. And the first thought that entered my grandpa's mind 
during this incident was who would take care of their baby daughter. Only one or two years at the time if my grandpa and grandma were killed. Thankfully, the Peruvian army came in and was able to save them. And that baby daughter, my Aunt Barb, grew up to serve for almost 50 years as an Alliance missionary in Chile and lived until she was 91 years old. In the next year or two after this event with my grandparents, their son died of dysentery in my grandma's arms. They were too far from a hospital to get help for him. And he's buried in a cemetery in the mountains of Peru in the city of Huanaco. On another occasion, they were literally stoned for preaching the gospel. And they were eventually forced to move to Chile for its better climate as my grandpa came close to death on several occasions due to sickness that he contracted in the mountains. Today, almost 100 years later, the evangelical church in Peru is strong and it's growing, sending out their own missionaries around the world. There's been much spiritual transformation in Latin America, praise the Lord, beginning especially in the 1960s and 70s. But what would have happened if my grandparents, as well as my grandfather's brother and his family, who served in Peru for 39 years, what would have happened if they didn't go? What if they deemed it too hard, too primitive, too dangerous, too far from the comforts of home? Not worth it. God will find somebody else to go if I don't go, right? I mean, that's, that's the common phrase or excuse that we use to get out of things that God calls us to do that we don't want to do. The theme for the Alliance's missions engagement for the next year is now to the hard places. And still today, there are 4,000 people groups, around 3.4 billion people that don't have access to the gospel. And most or all of these people live in places or in cultures that would be considered hard to reach for various reasons. And they need, and what they need are followers of Jesus to tell them about him. Oswald J. Sanders said, we talk of the second coming. Half the world has never heard of the first. And this was the overriding passion of the Apostle Paul, to take Christ to the many that didn't know about his salvation. And it needs to continue to be our passion and your passion as well today. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open with me to Romans 15, verses 17 to 22, and we're going to take a look at what Paul has to say about this topic. So Romans 15, 17 to 22. I'm reading out of the NIV. And Paul writes, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I'll not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Let's open this time just with a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word, the good news of Jesus, continues to go out and spread around our world today, even in places where Christ is not known. Thank you that you call us and you empower us to participate in that work with you. May your spirit teach us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The known world at the, at the time uh, of the Apostle Paul was extremely unreached. This was only decades after the death and resurrection of Christ. News traveled slowly. The church was young and small, although rapidly growing. And the majority of Gentiles that Paul took the gospel to 
worshiped the gods of their own cultures. And as Paul and his associates went into each new place, they found much resistance to their message. God was often at work in those places. Many people placed their faith in Christ, and churches sprung up wherever Paul was able to spend a considerable amount of time. But there was usually persecution and much opposition. Today I want us to look at three truths about these hard places, places that are difficult to reach with the good news of Jesus. And the first truth is that unreached places are usually unreached because they're hard. Everywhere Paul traveled with, to share the good news, he met some form of opposition. His message was strange, unfamiliar to the people. Sometimes he was able to stay and minister despite the opposition. Other times he had to flee when his life was in danger. He writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 16, 7-9, For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened for me and there are many who oppose me. There's a reason that the hard places are still unreached. It's often because there are many who oppose the name of Jesus being preached in their village or in their city or even in their country. And that makes it difficult for believers, whether they're local believers or if they've had to come in from the outside to live and minister among the people. Sometimes it's for more simple reasons that places are hard. Sometimes the weather's extreme. Living conditions are poor. The language is extremely difficult, which makes it really hard to communicate the good news of Christ and build relationships. Sometimes medical care is scarce. In some places, governments make it hard for, uh, to get visas for foreigners, and so the ability to remain in the country is tricky. In other places, the people are paranoid of outsiders, and so trust is minimal and needs to be built slowly over time. Sometimes it's for all or many of these reasons. And the list really could go on, but each of these reasons plus many more make hard places difficult to impact, and the people remain unreached. But the thing is, the gospel has to be taken by someone at some point to the hard places if these people are going to hear about Jesus. We want the gospel to take a foothold among these people, very much like happened with the church in Corinth that Paul had planted. So although many people are on the move around the world today and there are millions of refugees and immigrants traveling, immigrants traveling to new places, Still, 94% of the world's people are not on the move. They're staying put. They're staying home. And so again, someone must go to them and take the gospel. And this is why the Alliance continues to focus on unreached peoples and why 80% of our international workers live and work among them. Many of these unreached people, as you well know, are coming into our neighborhoods in America which is a huge opportunity and blessing for the church here in the States. And we can't miss this open door for effective ministry that the Lord has placed before us. But if we really want the gospel to take a foothold among the people, to see churches planted and a movement of the Spirit in a way that will spread among the people group, it really needs to happen back in their homeland. One international worker couple that's working really hard at taking the gospel to the unreached is Tom and Jenny. And Tom and Jenny work in a creative access country in Central Asia, so these aren't their real names. This couple travels for days at a time into the mountains outside of the capital city where they live 
searching for remote villages, trying to gain entry, trying to build trust, looking for opportunities to share Christ. Much of their travel has to be on foot after the road ends, sometimes having to use snowshoes due, due to the deep snowfalls in the winter high up in the mountains. One of the unreached people groups they've ministered to and among has a population of only 5,000 people, and they're located in these mountains. And Tom and Jenny have been able to enter their villages and were instrumental in leading the first person in this people group to Christ about 5,000 years ago, as well as discipling him after that. Crick and I had the joy of meeting this man and his family when we visited their country back in March. He's a gifted evangelist, exudes the joy of the Lord, cries to the point of being unable to speak when, when talking about the importance of the Word of God in his life. And today, there are between 40 and 50 believers among them. They regularly face persecution from their own people. It's a hard place to live and be a follower of Jesus. Weather there can be extreme in winter and summer. Believers face persecution for following Christ instead of following the majority religion. IWs, international workers, need to be really careful there when sharing the gospel. But somebody needed to tell these people about Jesus, that their salvation, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life in the Lord. And thankfully, that happened, and God's kingdom continues to grow in a hard place. The second truth that I want us to look at is that hard places don't always look the same as each other, and they don't always look hard. So when you think of a hard place to take the gospel, where the people are unreached, where hearts are closed, what comes to mind? Do you think of places like the Middle East or India or North Africa, places that are unbearably hot in the summer, the cultures differ greatly from ours. The languages are extremely difficult to learn, and the people are tied to their local religion. Well, that's what comes to my mind when I think of hard places. But we don't generally think about Europe, do we? At least Crick and I weren't thinking about Europe when we were asked to move to Germany on a special assignment last year. Now, you folks here at Westgate are really familiar with Vaden, Germany, uh, thanks to the Carey family, many short-term teams from Westgate going to minister alongside them, as well as the Eriks, who just returned from a two- or three-month internship serving with them. Vaden doesn't look like a hard place. In fact, it looks and feels like a cush assignment. It's a beautiful, small tourist town of 21,000 people located in northeast Germany on the largest lake in the country, Lake Muritz. The people are kind, well-educated, laid back. However, looks can be deceiving. Vaden and its surrounding region are part of the former East Germany, part of the former Soviet Union, and are one of the most atheistic regions of the world. People don't have any concept of God and church to them is completely irrelevant. But that's slowly changing thanks to the work of our team of IWs serving there, including the Carries. Our small team of three international worker families that serve in that city are very evangelistic and place a high value on relationships as opposed to just putting on events to attract people. They have, they've made their church to be family-oriented with a high emphasis on children. And an interesting thing that we noticed about the people there, as we were only there for nine months, is that although many of them are atheists, they're not antagonistic or strongly opposed to Christianity like we may see here in the States. It seems they're really just indifferent to the whole God thing uh, because they haven't grown up with it and don't believe it has value in their lives. 
but they're okay if you believe it. However, some of them are now coming to church because of their relationships with our IW families and because their children love being there. And these parents are beginning to share stories of their children telling them each week, each week what they learned in Sunday school and that they need to pray together when a problem arises and how God can answer those prayers. And now some of these parents, atheistic parents, are beginning to think about this whole Christianity thing and if it could actually be important for them too. God is at work today in a hard place that really doesn't look like a hard place for ministry. Now in settings that are, are polar opposites of the peaceful little German town we lived in for nine months this past year in, in Germany are Ukraine and Russia. They have both become very hard places for life and ministry for completely different and probably obvious reasons. Ukraine is open to the gospel. And in this time of war, churches are filled. People are giving their lives to Christ. And churches, new churches, are being planted. Russia has been getting more and more difficult to do ministry in over the past decade. Support for the war supersedes everything in the government's eyes. And churches are split throughout the country over this topic. Most international workers have left the country. Two neighboring countries, so many similarities with history and culture, many family members on both sides of the borders, and yet going in completely different directions right now. And both of their situations make doing ministry really difficult. Hard places don't always look the same as each other. And as we found in Vaden, Germany, they don't always look hard, even if they are. Well, the third truth that we find is that it's the church's responsibility to go to the hard places. Now, that doesn't mean only the American church, but we are a part of the worldwide body of Christ, and we play a huge role in it because of the number of believers in our country, the resources that we have and can provide, and our long missions history. And we can find the reason that we as the church and why we as believers need to go to the hard places by looking at Jesus' words in John 10, 14 to 16, when he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The key words that I want to focus on uh, here are in, are in verse 16, when Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also they too will listen to my voice. Jesus is saying that there are other people in this world that are not yet a part of his family, and he wants them brought in. And he uses you and me in partnership with his spirit to do that. C.S. Lewis explained this really plainly, simply, and directly when he said the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. So what do you and your church exist for? As God does His work in you and through you, His purposes are always twofold. To transform your life and to make you more like Christ and to grow His kingdom through you. When I think about this theme to the hard places, 
one of the first people that comes to mind is André. And there's nothing, there's nothing really special about him as you look at him. He's average height, about 60 years old, has a kind smile. He seems kind of timid when you first meet him. At least those were my first thoughts when I met him uh, for the first time in Kiev three years ago. But I soon began to hear more and more about André and the church that he pastors in eastern Ukraine. I learned that he had planted and pastored the largest church in the Alliance Network of Churches in the country, a church of around 350 people. He meets weekly with groups of young men mentoring and discipling them and has sent out several teams of these young men over the years to plant churches in neighboring villages. A couple of months into the war, Andrei's city was now occupied by the invading army. He understood that one of his responsibilities as a pastor was to evacuate as many people as he could, especially those from his church, out of the occupied territory farther west into safer parts of Ukraine. He and his wife, Yelena, felt strongly that they needed to stay, serve the people, and continue to hold church services. In mid-May, almost a year and a half ago, they attempted to leave their region to go to a pastor's conference in Kiev, but soldiers didn't allow them to leave. After being turned back by the soldiers, they returned home and held church services two days later, or church services that Sunday. Two days later, on Tuesday, soldiers came to his house and took him away. At his first interrogation at the police station, a black bag was put on his head. When he was brought into the room, he was hit hard with something on his leg. They beat him mercilessly with a hard rubber baton. The leader of the interrogation told him that he had a hatred for evangelical Christians. At his second interrogation, they began accusing him of working for the U.S. and were pressuring him to admit to this. They continued to beat him from his neck down to the soles of his feet, even as he was crawling on the floor trying to get away. They told him he would never leave the prison alive. When he was back in his cell, he prayed to the Lord, asking, Lord, please allow me to be freed from here. Is my life really over? I want to see my wife, my children, my church. I want to continue to serve you. After that second interrogation, he was taken back to his cell. Within minutes, he suddenly began to feel poorly and was convinced he was dying. He was taken out of his cell and to the hospital. The next day, he realized that God had shown him mercy. Instead of being in prison, he was now being cared for in the hospital. Andre stayed in the hospital for several days. There was no electricity. Doctors were using flashlights to work on him. And then, just like that, he was miraculously released without any explanation and allowed to go home. This all took place over about nine or ten days. After his release, although their desire was to stay in their city and serve the people, Andre and Yelena one day sensed the Lord telling them to leave. At that same time, a neighbor ran over to their house and said, if they're going to leave, they need to do it now because the city is going to be closed off by the army and nobody will be able to get in or out. They were able to leave within the hour. After escaping to Poland and spending a few months there, and in western Ukraine, their city was freed by the Ukrainian troops last fall. And within a week or so after this, Andre and Yelena announced that they were heading home. And that's what they did. They went home, back near the front lines, and continued to minister to many, many people on a daily basis still today. Why did they do it? Why did they return to such a volatile, dangerous area? Because they knew that Jesus is worth it. And there are many people in that city 
that need to know him. Most of us will never have to endure a situation like Andre has. But our commitment to follow Jesus to the hard places can be just as unwavering as his. And those hard places might look different than his does. The hard place that God is calling you to might be a beautiful, peaceful European city that's completely atheist with very little church presence in it. Or that hard place that He's calling you to might be a Muslim country that's antagonistic towards followers of Christ. Or maybe that hard place is Toledo and its surrounding, surrounding towns and serving the people, the many people here that don't have a relationship with Him. There is hope for the hard places when followers of Jesus believe that He is worth it and say yes to following Him there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for Your Spirit to be at work in the lives of people in the hard places around the world, even right here locally. We pray that many of these places just like Peru and Chile that were so hardened to the gospel a century ago, that you would also begin to work in these other places in the world, bringing transformation and expanding your kingdom. May the people of Westgate Chapel know that Jesus is worth it as they share your good news of salvation with people around them right here, and even as you will call some of them to go to some of the hard places in this world. I pray that you would do that, and may you receive all the glory in our lives, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.